morning and welcome to the John DeVito show. Today's show is called The Morning Dump. Just thought it was funny, so I figured I'd go with that today. So, hey, hopefully everybody is doing great today. Uh, it is Friday in Boston, so, you know, hey, Friday's always a good thing, so even though... <laughs> Even though things are a little bit different with the shutdown in Boston, you know, um, it's Friday. So Friday is always a good thing. You know, I've got some work I've got to do today. So I'm going to have a relatively short uh, podcast this morning so I can get to work and do my job. But, uh, you know, it's another rainy day in Boston. That's what we get at this time of year. But the good news is looking at the weather forecast for the rest of the day today, like later in the day, and then into the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, excuse me, had to hit my mute button, had to sneeze. So I don't want to subject that to all of you. And of course, I could probably pass the coronavirus through the microphone. So I decided to make use of the the, the, uh, the mute button and let the sneeze rip. So anyway, um, it's going to be, you know, kind of a rainy day today, but the weather is going to be getting, I think, better as the day goes on. And it looks like we've got a really nice weekend uh, weather-wise here in New England, which is a great thing. Tomorrow is going to be in the 60s. And then on Sunday, we're looking to be up in the low 70s, which is going to be beautiful. So it's going to feel really good, you know, to be outside and uh, just enjoying some time with the family, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying the weather and all that type of stuff. So it's all good. I'm feeling optimistic about the weather, optimistic about, um, you know, being uh, being able to get outside a little bit more. And I'm trying to have some optimism again about uh, the fact that this coronavirus thing is hopefully plateauing and it's going to get better. You know, we see certain states like Georgia and other places that are kind of returning back to some type of normal. I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't mean that we're going to see uh, another big spike in the coronavirus deaths. Um, I guess we're going to we're going to see how this thing plays out. You know, we've got certainly some division in this country where people believe some people believe that uh, the coronavirus uh, death numbers are accurate. Others, people believe that they're being inflated by the government. And we're just caught in this country and being in a period of time where there is, um, with this division between the Democrats and the Republicans, and I don't think they're going to agree. So I think we're going to have to see how this thing plays out. I mean, for me, hopefully, we have plateaued and we start to move in the right direction because I certainly don't want to see any more people infected or any more people die. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll just see how the thing plays out. So I'm kind of looking through the news uh, on my phone and uh, I'm looking up some different stories and things like that. So I'm looking up this story about the five strangest things that have washed up on the beach. And this is kind of funny. And <laughs> this, this is kind of a scary one. One of them was a cremation bag. So during a seasonal beach cleaning event in New Jersey, so I guess maybe that doesn't surprise me in New Jersey, volunteers discovered an empty bag used for holding cremated remains. Plenty of people wanted their ashes spread at sea, but maybe pressed for time, one of the loved ones actually took the full bag and just tossed it in the water. So that's kind of crazy. Imagine that you're cleaning up the beach and you find like a cremation bag with the ashes still inside it. So apparently whoever that loved one was, you know, didn't really get the idea that you're supposed to actually dump out the ashes and actually threw the whole bag <laughs> into the ocean. So I think that would probably freak me out a little bit. Oh, this is crazy. Let me read this one for a second. Um, okay, they're saying that feet, literally feet, washed up on a beach. 
up and down the Atlantic coast in North America. So beach strollers exercise caution when examining shoes washed up on the beach. More often than not, a foot is present inside the shoe. Are you kidding me? At a rate of just over one per year, feet wash up on the shores of Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. There's not a foot fetish serial killer, however, most of the feet belong to accidental deaths or suicide in the water. The feet separate from the legs through natural decomposition wash ashore separate from the rest of the remains. Holy crap. Could you imagine that? So you, you see a sneaker or a shoe on the beach and you go to pick it up and you find that the foot is still inside the shoe. Yikes. No, thank you. That is disgusting. So here's a good one though. So I guess an engagement ring washed up on the beach so there's no word of how the proposal one says but somehow a six thousand dollar engagement ring ended up amongst the litter collected by dedicated citizens in ashbury park new jersey so i mentioned that six six thousand dollar ring washed up that's kind of crazy so i mean you never know i guess what you're going to wash up what's going to wash up on the beach <laughs> here's a good one a robot hand washed up on the beach so new york waterways are home to all kinds of strange artifacts which sometimes wash up on the beach. On Staten Island, Great Kills Park is home to four beaches where strange items wash up amongst seaweed. One of those items found in early August was an articulated robot hand missing two digits. So <laughs> I guess what happened to the two digits? And imagine that, I mean, an actual robot hand washing up on the beach. So cremated remains in a bag, feet in shoes, you know, uh, an engagement ring and then a robotic hand washing up on the beach. I mean, what the hell is going on in New Jersey? I mean, I've heard about like hypodermic needles and things like that washing up on the beach, but a robotic hand, that's kind of crazy. So I guess, I guess the moral of this story is if you walk in the beach, especially in New Jersey, be careful what you pick up because you don't know, you know, what, <laughs> what, what's gonna, what you're gonna find. So that's kind of crazy. Those are crazy stories for me. I guess the best thing I ever found on the beach was not this past year, but the February before we were on Fort Myers beach in Florida and we were walking every day and, you know, looking for, you know, seashells and sand dollars and things like that. And one of the things that I found one day is I looked down into the sand and I saw something that looked like a dollar bill. So I reached down and picked it up and it turned out it was a $50 bill just laying there in the sand early morning, you know, all tangled up in the seaweed. So someone obviously went for a swim, lost their 50 bucks, and I was fortunate enough to find it. So that was all, you know, obviously a pretty a pretty good uh, find, you know, early in our vacation. So that money certainly came in handy, you know. So I don't know. So, you know, here we are um, just talking about some of the weirdest things you find on the beach. Here we are in Boston, and it's raining today, and, you know, we're still locked down due to the, due the coronavirus. And if you're new coming into my show, you know, let me know where you're from. You know, let me know what you like to talk about on my freestyle shows. I like to kind of go with what the audience, you know, likes to talk about. But, you know, for me, I'm kind of going stir crazy. You know, I'm a father of four. Uh, my wife's a doctor. She just left for work. So she's out fighting the battle every day. And honestly, I'm sick of being stuck at home. You know, I've got three teenagers and all in all, they've actually been pretty good. But when you're stuck home every day with four kids, you know, because my job is kind of shut down right now, I'm working out of the house, but all my customers are closed since I work with schools, you know, so uh, I'm being, I'm trapped home with my four kids and all in all, they haven't been too bad. We've had a couple of knockdown fights and things like that, but 
it hasn't been, you know, too, too bad. Not too much violence, not too much carnage in my house, I guess, right now. But I see I've got Toxic Crusader entered. Thank you, SW80 and Alice if you're still here. Welcome to the show. Let me know where you guys are from, you know. Let me know what you like to chat about. Um, are you located in the U.S.? Are you located in another country? You know, do you want to talk about, uh, you know, what's going on in your area of the world regarding the coronavirus? What are you doing to kind of, you know, keep yourself busy, keep yourself engaged in life? You know, for me, there's a lot of things that I miss right now still with this whole shutdown. I mean, we're a pretty, you know, active group of people. We like to be out and about. You know, we like socializing with friends. You know, I like hitting a bar and maybe having a beer. I like, you know, going out to eat and going to movies and baseball games and stuff like that. And right now we've just been regulated to being at home, which kind of sucks. So I'm pretty much ready for this thing to be over. And I guess I'm kind of optimistic where I see some some places in the United States are starting to open up a little bit. You know, Atlanta's opening up and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to find a way just to be positive during this entire thing, you know. And it, it's funny where I've seen a lot of people posting on Facebook and places like that saying, well, you know, if you're not taking this time to reflect on your life, if you're not taking this time to reevaluate the type of person that you are and maybe, you know, reevaluating what you want to be in life, then you're missing the opportunity, you know, that you have right now. And I guess for a point that's true, but, you know, not everybody has that luxury. You know, for me, I have a wife that's a doctor. I have a good job. You know, we have a nice house. We live in the suburbs and we have, you know, ample money where, you know, we're not really suffering during this shutdown. But if you're a family that doesn't have any money, that's making, you know, $10 an hour, $15 an hour, and you're using food stamps and you're struggling to get by and maybe you've lost your job, I mean, you don't have time to reflect on the things in your life that you want to improve and, you know, think about the, the greater good and all, all that type of thing. I mean, you're kind of focused on feeding your family. So I think, you know, having that ability to sit back and reflect on your life and use this time as a, as a restart or a redo if you need to is a great idea, but I don't think everybody's capable of doing that. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we're kind of caught in this crazy groundhog day scenario where, life is just uh you know repeating itself day to day and you know i get to admit i'm pretty bored i mean it's been kind of fun starting this podcast i've been doing this now for i think a little over a month and i've recorded over 50 shows you know so i'm working my job most of the day out of my house and then i probably spend an hour or two a day podcasting around my work schedule and it's been kind of nice i've really enjoyed you know getting to know some of the listeners that come in here on a regular basis and meeting people from all different countries and stuff like that. But I guess every day I'm trying to use my own life philosophy, which is, you know, wake up every day, try to be positive, try to believe that it's going to be a good day. Don't let the monotony of day to day, you know, lockdown get to us. But, um, yeah, it's hard some days, but you know, I'm kind of happy that today's Friday, you know, it's Friday morning here on the East coast. I'm located in Boston. It's 7.42 a.m. here, and like I mentioned earlier, it's raining a little bit right now, but I think uh, the day's going to get nicer as it goes on. We're supposed to have some sun and some decent temperature uh, later on today, and the weekend looks pretty good. So, um, well, I mean, it, it should be a good weekend. I mean, at least here in Boston, we can still go outside. So I know that I've had people in the show that are from places like India 
that uh, are in complete lockdown where they literally cannot leave their apartments. I had one guy call me and tell me that if he leaves his apartment, he is he could literally be arrested. Even if he's sitting on his front steps, the police can come and arrest him and put him in jail. So that that's kind of crazy. Here, we can still go for a walk. We can kind of do our thing and you know at least be outside as long as we're trying to be separate from you know from other people and things like that and socially distance but um you know we're seeing more and more things that have been canceled coming forward so that kind of sucks in my town i live in a small town in massachusetts so i you know i'm in the boston area but i live probably an hour west of boston and we have in the small little town we have a really cool uh fourth of july celebration every year where there are like four or five days of activities for families, you know, a big parade in the town. And even though we live in a very small town, we have a, a crazy 4th of July fireworks celebration where people come from all over to see the fireworks in our town. So we just found out that was canceled for the summer. And, you know, we live in this little small town and that's one of the few things that makes this town cool, <laughs> you know, is the fireworks week that we have in our town so you know here we are in may and it's already been canceled so that's kind of disappointing to hear that we're not going to have that because that's a big yearly tradition in our town that everybody really looks forward to so unfortunately it looks like the fireworks um, display is not going to happen this year and then you know regarding baseball i've got as i mentioned the four kids my two oldest kids my oldest son doesn't play any sports uh well he doesn't play baseball my daughter is still playing softball but just recreationally my two younger boys both play a lot of baseball and they just announced yesterday that the little league world series has been canceled for the first time in 75 years that's played in williamsport pennsylvania so i know for a lot of young kids that's a big deal to have that canceled so it looks like no little league world series this year and i'm not sure if that's going to affect the little league season i'm not sure if that means that little league is going to be canceled uh, for the year, but you know, maybe who knows? I saw that you know the Hall of Fame induction for Major League Baseball has been canceled for this year, and that usually happens at the end of July. So you know, man, we're we're already canceling things. You know, into July and August, this talk of the schools maybe being delayed even in September. You know, I don't know. I mean, for me, instead of canceling these things, I'd rather see things play out a little bit more. I mean, hopefully, we have a sharp drop off with the coronavirus where maybe life can get back to normal at some point. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I understand the, I guess, thought process behind canceling things so early. I mean, even like the Little League World Series. The Little League World Series is the is at the end of August. So that's already been canceled. And I guess, you know, you kind of have to plan forward, you know, for that event. So, I mean, I guess I understand why they did it. But it's just unfortunate for the kids that, you know, play baseball. Now they don't have that chance to go and play in that big tournament that they all look forward to playing in. So anyway, you know, just a lot of things being canceled. But, you know, at some point, you know, this thing will pass. We're going to get back to normal life and we're going to get back to, you know, enjoying the things that we, you know, normally used to do. And it's going to be all good. So, hey, Toby, welcome to the live studio, to the morning dump. Uh, let us know, you know, where you're from, um, what type of things you would like to talk about and i think we have sw80 is in the studio as well so let us know what you guys want to talk about i'd love to hear you know where you're from and what type of things um you'd like to chat about this morning on some of these shows where i don't have a specific topic i kind of like to let my people that come in kind of drive the show and let me know what they might like to talk about you know right now i'm just talking about news and just talking about life you know living with the coronavirus right now and, and i don't want this to be a coronavirus show 
I'm just talking about what it's like to feel kind of isolated from friends and family and things like that. And that's just kind of the, you know, the reality that we all live in. So, hey, Moke, welcome to the live studio. And, you know, we've got some people in. So let me know where you guys are from. You know, let me know if you're from the U.S. Um, I'm located in Boston. So that's where I am. I'm in Massachusetts. It's 746 in the morning right now here. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, where you guys are located. Um, what's life is like for you right now? What type of things do you want to talk about? You know, I'm pretty well versed in a lot of areas. I can talk about politics. I can talk about sports. I can talk about social issues. You know, we've been talking even about things like Netflix series. What type of shows are you watching to kind of keep yourself busy, you know, as the as we're shut down? And I was literally joking with my wife last night. I mean, we have literally, I think, watched everything there is to watch on Netflix. There's nothing left. We've literally killed Netflix. We've broken it. You know, we've been watching so many friggin' TV shows and binge watching <clears throat> that my daughter the that my daughter and I the other night we were so bored we couldn't sleep so we ended up watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space on Netflix I swear to god if you haven't seen that movie it I mean it's a horror movie but it's like a horror comedy that was filmed in like the 1980s it had to be probably the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life but it was good so it was just stupid it wasn't really scary but it was funny also so we kind of watched that and suffered through that and you know we were laughing through the whole thing and we actually made the entire movie i think when we first tuned in we were going to watch for like five minutes just to see what it was about but then we got hooked into it and we kept watching it it was so stupid but it, it, it was stupid good in, in a, kind of a funny way uh so there we go I had to take a little sip of my morning coffee hey, i'm looking at the forecast for boston my tv's on right now oh that's nice on sunday we're going to be in the 70s Monday, the high 60s, Saturday 60s. So that's when it gets to be a good time here in Boston, when the weather starts turning around. Because for those of you that aren't familiar with the climate in Boston, it's pretty cold here. You know, we have like six months of bad weather where it's just cold and we get a lot of snow and we're kind of trapped indoors. So here in Boston, when the weather starts getting nice, I mean, it's a reason to celebrate. You know, we're all getting outside. We're enjoying the beautiful weather. And we're just getting, you know, getting kind of pumped out to be able to finally break out of the house and get outside. So to see that we're going to be in the 70s this weekend, that's pretty sweet. So it's, you're going to have everybody outside doing their thing. So, hey, Vermont. Nice. Elfie, what's going on? I love Vermont. I actually grew up in New Hampshire, so we're not too far apart. Now, where about are you in Vermont? Just out of curiosity. Um, I love Vermont. I love Maine. And, you know, actually, we, my family, oh, for, no way. You, you're going to love this. You're in Rutland, Vermont. I'm from the other Rutland. I'm in Rutland, Massachusetts. <laughs> so whenever I tell people I'm from Rutland, they always say, oh, Rutland, Vermont, because no one knows there's a Rutland, Massachusetts. Oh, you were born in Hanover. Nice. Yeah, I grew up in southern New Hampshire, and um, I've spent a lot of time, you know, obviously in northern, northern New Hampshire, northern Vermont, northern Maine, and we actually were supposed to go on a family vacation to Los Angeles in August. But because of the uh, coronavirus, we had to cancel, and now we're looking to um, we're looking to um, go to I think Rangeley, Maine, this summer in August for a vacation. And SW, I see your comment. I'll get to that in one sec. So you grew up in Claremont, New Hampshire. Okay, I know Claremont. I I actually played a couple of baseball tournaments up in Claremont, and we had a place up in Winnipesaukee for a few years that we uh, 
used to go up to quite a bit. So that's cool, man. It's nice to meet someone for from the Northeast.、Um, how are things going in Vermont? I know that、uh, everything's been shut down in Vermont as far as you know coronavirus-related things and everything like that.、Um, do I know the name Hodgkin? No, I grew up in Atkinson, New Hampshire. So I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's part of the、uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Timberline School District. So that's where I grew up, but、um, yeah, so that's kind of cool, man. It's nice to meet someone from Vermont、uh, in the show, and make sure you follow me so you come back again. And I don't have my mouse, so I'm trying to scroll back up to SW80's comment. Okay, there we go. SW80, hello, John. Good morning. I'm in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Nice. Thanks for the show. You live alone. I do have work from home, same as me, Monday through Friday. But you miss seeing people and talking face to face. It's tough to cook for one. I bet it is. Enjoy food, but I'm proud of how well I have coped. Highs and lows. Take each day at a time. I've never been to Boston, but it, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I've never been to、uh, Ireland at all. I've been to Europe. I've traveled to、um, France. I've been to Germany. I've been to、uh, the Netherlands. Also, I was supposed to go to Italy, <clears throat> but I ended up not、uh, going because of September 11th, unfortunately, years ago. But we're planning on going back as a family, and we would love to go to Ireland. We'd love to go to England, and、uh, we'd like to also go back to Italy since I missed that honeymoon back when I got married. So, let's see. I'm vacation. Oh my God, dude! So you're going to the original campground for Friday the Thirteenth, Elfie? You're in the right place. I'm a huge horror movie fan. So,、um, oh my God, where is that located? That is so cool. I would love to go to that. No way. Are you actually camping there? It's in New Jersey. I did not know that. Oh my God, that is so cool. So, are you literally camping in a tent there, or are that? Do you do you get to stay in one of the cabins? That's something we have to do. That is so cool. I didn't know you could do that. Oh my God. And we've had、um, some shows, Elfie, where we've talked about. <laughs> that is so cool. You're staying in Kevin Bacon's cabin. I'm telling you right now, me and my family are gonna do that. We're huge horror movie fans. We've seen everything to the point where I was just talking about my daughter and I were so bored the other night. We watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So it was the stupidest movie I've ever seen, but it was really funny. But Friday the Thirteenth, obviously a classic. That is so cool. We're gonna look into that. There must be a website. But we've had some shows talking about horror movies. We have a guy that comes into this podcast called Sinister Breed. We haven't seen him in a little while. He actually created my logo for me. No, Elfie's going to call in. I'll definitely take your call. Hold on one sec. All right, hey Elfie, welcome to the show. What's up? Well, good morning from the state of Vermont. How are you on this lovely whatever day it is? I know a day one million of the shutdown, and it's a. I'm not sure how the weather is in Vermont, but it's raining here in Massachusetts right now, and. You know, we're just kind of making do like everybody else,、um, hoping that at some point maybe we get through the worst of this entire coronavirus thing. But I'd love to hear more about you staying in the Friday the Thirteenth campground. That is outstanding. So、yeah. tell me, tell me about that a little bit. So what you staying in Kevin Bacon's cabin? You know the you know the cabin Kevin Bacon made love in with that woman. I don't even remember what her name was. I totally、Where、remember. I don't remember her name either, but I remember that. Yeah, well, where he died is where I'm sleeping. That is outstanding! Oh my God! So, you now you're going for three days, and you have, how far out do you have to book this? Because I would love to do this with our kids. This would be awesome.、Um, I booked mine in January. Now, is it expensive to go and stay stay there?、Um, it's about twelve hundred dollars, but it's worth it because、oh, yeah. the food's included. It's a who done it weekend. We all know who did it. It was Jason or Pamela, one of the two.、Um, 
They're even talking about bringing a quote-unquote Freddy Krueger onto the grounds. <laughs> that is absolutely awesome. See, to, to understand who you're talking to here, we, I've got four kids, and we are all horror movie junkies. We've seen everything. So we watch them together. We go to all the local, you know, we, we've been to Six Flags, the uh, haunted, you know, October that they have out in uh, Central So you've seen the movie Feast. Oh, of course. Yes. Yep. Yes. I then have. you're, uh, you're uh, uh, one of the very few <laughs> that have ever seen the movie Feast. Yeah, I've seen. Now, have you seen movies like Reanimator and things like that? Have you ever seen Love that one? Them. Love them. <laughs> That's Class one of my favorites. Of High. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, now, did you see uh, the movie we were, we were just talking about? Did you ever see Killer Clowns from Outer Space? We just watched that the other night. I had never I seen that. It. Oh, you do? So you're a I pro. We got to get you on sometime when I have Sinister Breed on. He wants to, he has, he actually has a horror podcast. And this guy comes onto our show and he'll literally just reel off like 200, 300 movies down below in the chat box. And I've heard probably of like 50% of them, but he knows more about horror movies than anyone I've ever met. You seem like you might be in this class where you know a lot about uh, different horror movies. So how, how long have you been a horror movie fan? My entire life. I, my first horror movie I ever saw was Night of the Demon. It was about a Sasquatch that killed an archaeologist group. I've never seen that. So Night of the Demon. Now, when 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 was that? Uh, when did that come out? 1980. Okay. So Night of the Demon. I'll have to look for that. Now, I, 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 may, I may be putting you on the spot, but if you had to give me your, your top, say, five or ten horror movies, what would they be? Your, your favorites, if you could kind of reel them off to the best of your ability. I know it's probably a tough choice because there are so many of them. And there were Sleep different Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp, okay. Uh, let's see. Sleepaway Camp. The Hills Have Eyes. The original Poltergeist. Yes. You, you know, it's funny. The original Poltergeist does not make a lot of people's lists. I thought the original Poltergeist was an excellent movie. I really liked that. The Hills Have Eyes, I've seen that as well. For whatever reason, I, I don't think, maybe I have to watch that one again. I didn't like it as much the, the first time I saw it, but Poltergeist, I really liked. So yeah, what, what, are the, what other ones do you have? The original Exorcist. Oh, classic, of course. Yep, I have, um, let's see, like Class of Newcomb High, uh, Toxic Avenger. Those aren't really horror, they're more cheesy. Okay. The Grudge, The Devil's Rejects, uh, I Am Legend. You know what well, movie I, was really good that's not horror, but it was really good, was Life of Pi. Life of Pi. I've never heard of that movie. So what was, uh, what was that about? Okay. Life of Pi is about this Indian gentleman and his family who go on a boat. Yeah. The boat sinks. The only one that survives is the sun. Okay. With an orangutan, a zebra, and a tiger, because <laughs> they run a zoo. Okay. The tiger ends up killing the orangutan and the zebra. Okay. The tiger's name is Richard Parker. <laughs> there was a okay. mix-up in the paperwork. Um, Richard Parker was the guy who owned the lion, and the lion's name was Snowflake. Okay. So the lion ended up being, or the tiger ended up being called Richard Parker. It's a story about this boy and this tiger becoming friends and surviving together on this boat That's to make it cool. to land. Nice. It's based on a cool. true story. 
I'll have, to, I'll have to look that one up and check it out. I've never heard of that before. Hey, I see Trump Train 2020. Welcome to the show. Hey, you know, I'm with you. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to switch. I'm going to let Elfie finish in a second. But yeah, you know, I'm still a Trump guy. Um, and I know that it probably with someone from Vermont, that may not be a popular stance. But, you know, I, I really don't love either one of them. I think Trump and Biden, it kind of scares me. These are the two best people this country has to offer. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders got screwed again, you know, by uh, by the, the Democratic Party. I mean, he seemed like he had a lot of steam. But uh, yeah, you know, Trump train 2020. I'm, I'm with you there. So go ahead, Elfie. So what, what other movies are in your top five or ten? Well, let's see. There's Darkness Falls. Yep. Um, oh, what was that movie? Water water something it was about it was a cartoon and it was actually horrific it was about these rabbits water bridge or something like that i can't remember the name of it it was actually quite traumatic <laughs> as a kid for watching it let's see uh candy man wow. i've got to have I want to have a horror podcast. I want to have a horror podcast and have you and Sinister Breed both on with me because I'd love to hear the two of you talk horror. Hey, what, what did you think of um, I Spit on Your Grave? That was one I kind of liked. I liked the original, and the remake wasn't bad either. Did you, were you a fan I, of that movie? I liked the original. I did not like the remake. They ruined it with the remake. Hey, enjoy your day also, SWA. Thanks for stopping in today. No, I agree. I, I, I enjoyed the original. The remake I thought was okay. Um, kind of like even um, you know Amityville Horror. Obviously, the Amityville Horror is a great original. The remake I didn't hate with Ryan Reynolds, but it, it just didn't compare to you know the original. And there are certain movies like you know I saw the the new Pet Cemetery. I didn't think that compared like at all it. to the original. Did you like it or no? I didn't. No, I hated it. The new Pet I didn't Cemetery either. and the new Stephen King it sucks. Yeah, but you know, I, I like the original series. The, the 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 original remake of it, the first one, I didn't mind. The second one I thought was terrible. I didn't like the second Well, you know, I mean, nobody all. can replace Tim Curry. That's like trying to redo the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which they did, and right. ruin it. Stupid. It's just you can't do that. I mean, there are movies like that. Like, I've heard stories of them thinking about, I mean, I guess they did already do it, but, you know, recreating a movie, not a series, of The Shining. I mean, they had the one miniseries with Steven Dr. Weber. Sleep. Yeah, it was it terrible. The Doctor Sleep, I didn't think was bad. Did, did you ever see the old? There was like a miniseries on TV where they recreated The Shining because apparently Stephen King did not like the version with Jack Nicholson. So they had another one with Stephen Weber. It was like a three-night miniseries where they yes. redid The Shining. Did you ever see that? Yes, I did. I wasn't a fan of that. Did you like that? I mean, it was yeah, it was all right. I mean, Stephen if Weber. If it's not I wasn't Jack really Nicholson, it's not The Shining. Exactly, you know, I and mean, that's kind of how I felt also about that. So just not uh, not something that was really terribly interesting to me. So I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. So what, what other classics do you have? <laughs> I always interrupt. I apologize. No, that's okay. Um, let's see. I have <laughs> this this um, CD holder. Okay. And it's nothing. It's nothing but horror movies. There's yeah. 500 movies in here. <laughs> Wow, so that's crazy. So it looks like you spend a lot of time watching horror movies and doing that type of thing. And I, I guess I want to ask you, how has, you know, being in Vermont, how has the shutdown affected you? Are you a student? Uh, do you have, do you work? Are you, you know, unemployed due to the coronavirus? How has this whole shutdown affected you? I'm employed. I'm really? unemployed due to the corona. I'm a private housekeeper. Oh, boy. Um, and right now, nobody wants anybody in their house. Oh, so boy. my job, my whole job is on hold. 
Right. There's no money coming in. I can't claim unemployment because I work for myself. Because you're independent, right? And there's no bailout for you, I imagine, right? You're not getting any help or, or probably even any stimulus check, right? Well, I haven't received there. Supposedly, they're sending me a stimulus, but I haven't seen it yet. You know, it's funny. I, I was just talking to a guy. I have a guy that calls me from Atlanta quite a bit, and he just received his stimulus, stimulus check yesterday. So he finally just got it. So hopefully yours is on the way. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's tough. I mean, to be a small business owner, you know, to be out cleaning houses, and you're right. I mean, nobody wants you in their house. And that's going to be – now, do you, have, do you have regulars that um, you clean their house? I imagine you must, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I actually <laughs> clean for um, Peter Gilmore, who owns 25% of Killington up here in Vermont. Wow. So wow. when Peter Gilmore gets a celebrity coming in, I've cleaned for Justin Timberlake. I've cleaned for Justin Bieber. I've cleaned for Snoop Dogg, John wow. Candy, with Whoopi Goldberg. Wow. Um, what the hell is her name there? Uh, the lady, uh, Lady Antebellum, is that her Oh, name? yeah, the singer, Lady Antebellum, yeah. Yeah. Um, I met, I used to work in Woodstock for Michael J. Fox. Did you really? I worked in, I worked in the Fox home in Woodstock. Uh, did you meet uh, Michael J. Fox? He's a very nice man. I bet very you, I mean, nice I, I've loved him his whole career. I mean, I loved him back in Family Ties. I mean, obviously the Back to the Future, you know, series, but that's nice to hear. So he's really, I mean, is he the type of guy you can he's, approach he's, him and talk to him? Oh, absolutely. And, and it wasn't Mr. Fox. It was, hey, Mike, this is oh, what's going on in your house. What do you want me to do about it? And he'd be like, oh, don't worry about it. Go in the pool. Have a seat. You know, smoke a cigarette. That's awesome. See, that's, that's good to hear because, you know, I've had, I've had some experiences both ways with celebrities. You know, some celebrities I've met have been really cool people and other ones I've met have been just complete disappointments. So, yeah, I've always liked Michael J. Fox. So it's kind of here, kind of cool to hear that he's a good guy like that. And, you know, you mentioned Justin Timberlake. It seems like he likes to vacation in New England quite a bit. I know a couple of years ago when we were at Lake Winnipesaukee, he was vacationing up at Winnipesaukee. And we didn't meet him, but he was up there with Jessica Biel, his wife. And they were vacationing, vacationing in that area, too. So he must like the New England area. huh? How, how long ago he was he vacationing that. in Vermont? Oh, Jesus. That had to have been seven years ago. <clears throat> it's interesting. Yeah, I'll tell you, See, Winnipesaukee. See, now I met Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, when I met... Yeah, what was she like? Because I hear mixed things about her. She was funny as hell. Okay. Was she really? It was 1989. Yeah. your 1989. Toe socks were still hot. Okay. 50% off bin in, the, in, in a little mini mall in Ellsworth, Maine. Yeah. I'm on one side of the bin, and there's a black lady on the other side. Right. We both reach into the bin at the same time and grab the same pair of socks. <laughs> and we're both holding on to them and looking at each other. And she looks up at me and, you know that smile she does? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, That's what she's known for. Color purple, that big, huge smile. She smiles at me. And I went, holy shit, you're Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> she looked right at me. She smiles with that big smile and goes, yeah, so Whoopi. <laughs> And I busted. And I oh. says to her, I says, you know, my favorite line out of all your movies. She says, which one? I said, Jumpin' Jack Flash. I'm a little black woman in a big silver box. I about <laughs> pissed myself. I ended up taking her to McDonald's, which was right next door. No, I convinced you did her not. to come have a coffee with me. And I so you had Whoopi coffee, coffee with Whoopi Goldberg at a McDonald's in Maine. 
Yes. That's so. What was that like? What did you talk about? That's cool as hell. What did you talk about? about, She actually didn't want to talk about herself. She wanted to know about me. So I explained to her that I was in a residential treatment center and the abuse that they were they were putting us through. Um, There was actually a phone call made by Whoopi Goldberg to the state of Maine. Wow. Stating, you know, I, I have one of your students here. Dot dot dot. And she made the phone call herself. Unbelievable. So she went out of her way. Six months later, the program was shut down. Wow. See, now that's the thing. I've heard so many things about Whoopi Goldberg. And I think a lot of it is politically driven where they talk about she's just not a nice person. But to hear that she not only met you at a store in Maine, but went to coffee with you in a McDonald's, heard about some of the things you were dealing with in your life, and then made a phone call on your behalf to help you. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's awesome. She blew my mind away. You have completely changed my opinion on Whoopi Goldberg in this short phone call. That's amazing. Well, I met her about 10 years later in Killington. Mm -hmm. And she she was leaving as I was coming in to clean. And I stopped. And I said, hey, how are those toe socks? She stopped dead in her tracks and she goes, coffee boy. She remembered. I said, I said, that's me. She goes, what are you doing in Vermont? I said, I live here. She said, I thought you lived in Maine. I said, I did temporarily. <laughs> so she you ran into her twice. Me. That's crazy. Twice. I met oh John Candy. He was no, such th- a nice man. I would look. He is without a doubt one of my all-time favorites probably like everybody i mean who doesn't love john candy tell me about john candy i'd love to hear about him he's exactly how you would expect him to be is he same type of personality in real life yes he was not acting in like uh rental uh uh, the great outdoors he wasn't i love him the great outdoors is one of my favorite movies of his i love that movie john candy went in he, he explained to me that when he did the great outdoors he just was himself <laughs> he said the only thing i had to do was remember the lines he said everything else was all natural he's like Just this me. is me i love i loved him in the great outdoors i also loved him in planes trains and automobiles <laughs> those are two of my favorite john candy movies i mean every movie the great he outdoors in, I and rental i love rental if you haven't seen summer rental that movie is hilarious now i think if i remember correctly isn't that the one where he goes to the beach with his family yes i i, I saw that a while back i have i mean some of the other movies i've seen you know over and over and over again that was one i think i saw once back in the day maybe i'll have to rewatch that again but tell, tell me about your conversation with john candy i'd like to hear you know what you guys talked about um actually i talked to him about himself you know i explained to him that he's the reason that certain things happened in my life like that i i do comedy oh you do um, comedy yeah i not stand up um i just happen to be in a large group of people and it doesn't matter if it's strangers or people that i know i just happen to go off hmm. i'm like a nice. firecracker and <laughs> I, it'll start off with a, a small joke that a yeah. small amount of people in this like corner over here will get they'll catch it and then from there i'll move on And I told John, I said, you're the reason for that. And he said, what do you mean? He said, just your, the way you go about doing your jokes. It's so flowing. It's like the ocean, you know, how the waves keep coming in and out, in and out. I said, that's how your jokes are to me. They just keep coming. I said, so I programmed myself to be like you, to have my comedy flow like the ocean. And I made the man cry. 
Did you really? <laughs> oh my, John so Candy, bad. John Candy, one of those guys, man. You know, he he just had that ability where, and I'm sure, like like you said, you met him in person. He had that ability of just being likable. You know, he was a likable guy. Seemed like the guy next door. Seemed like a guy that he'd be, you know, your best friend if you met him right away. And that that's he cool to hear. That's the type of person. He would have given me the shirt off his back if I asked for it. That's awesome. That's good to hear that he's that type of guy because I've always liked him. Now, what, what other celebrities? Now, you met? Did you meet Justin Timberlake also? Did you end up meeting him or just clean no, his house? I didn't, I didn't. I just cleaned his uh, his hotel room, and I, I ended up meeting Justin Bieber for about three seconds. What'd you think of him? He's ex- he's exactly what you guys would think he is. He's a rude little selfish prick. Yeah, I can't stand him. I really can't. And again, I I shouldn't jump to conclusions when you don't know somebody, because I kind of jumped to a conclusion about Whoopi Goldberg. And I'd never met her, and you have, and you say that she's a an amazing person. But yeah, Bieber, when you look at him, he just looks like he'd be a self centered little prick, and that's kind of what you well, saw. He looked with him. right at he, he looked right at me and told me, "Clean the room, slave." His mother, his no, he mother did not. People, jumped right up and she goes, "Don't you ever talk to him? He works here. What the hell are you thinking?" Did he really say that to you? He looked right at me and said, clean the room, slave. Oh, what a punk little bitch. I mean, I'm sorry. I said to him, I said, I don't know who the hell you think you're talking to or what rock you crawled out from underneath, but let me explain something to you, little boy. So I don't care how much money you got or how popular you are. I said, I will put my foot up your ass and break it off. Yeah. You know, his mother looked at me. She goes, that's exactly what he needs. It is. I mean, you don't talk to people like that. And again, that, that type of thing drives me crazy. Money doesn't matter. And I say that from a place where my wife's a doctor. I have a good job. We, you know, we do okay financially. I don't give a shit. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care if you're the president of a company. You treat people well. And that doesn't surprise me that Justin you Bieber respect, just be a douchebag. You respect. Know? Wow. So, okay. So, so far, Whoopi Goldberg, excellent person. Michael J. Fox, excellent person. John, uh, John Candy, Candy was excellent person. And, but you know you said, who was a complete asshole when I met that? them? Charles Bronson. That man met me no. at his front door with a shotgun. No, not Charles Bronson. He Now, tell me about okay. him. Sunapee, New Hampshire. Okay. That's where he lives. He lives he right lives next there? to Lake Sunapee. Yeah, right next to Lake Sunapee. Get the fuck out of here. That's amazing. Me and okay. my cousin Keith lived wow. in Newport. We were in Newport, New Hampshire, which is just outside of Claremont. Yep. We decided yep. one afternoon we were going to go for a ride. Well, we ended up in the foothills of Lake Sunapee. Okay. On this road. We kept saying, private property, do not enter armed guards at the gate wow well they were wearing turbans and carrying those machine guns you know like from vietnam holy shit one on each side of the gate and i explained to the guy i said we are so lost he said i don't know no speak english no speak english go up to house go up to house <laughs> okay so we drive up to the house and i'm thinking who the hell's house is this has got armed guards right i not my cousin says knock on the door and get directions i got I knocked on the door. I heard, hold on a minute. Now the voice sounded familiar. Right. I didn't think anything of it. I turned my head to say something to Keith and my cousin stepped out of his car ready to fist fight and I saw the look on his face. I turned around and what I saw in my face was a double-barreled shotgun. Holy I could see crap. right down that barrel. He says to me, who the fuck are you and what the fuck are you doing on my property? Charles Bronson. I turned that and I looked up at him. So disappointing. Yep. I said, Oh my God, Mr. Bronson, I am so 
sorry. I said, we're lost. He put his gun down and he, he stops for a minute and he, he realized he just fucked up and he goes, oh my God, I am so sorry. He's like, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, wow. He's like, you look exactly like him. He says, and when you spoke, I realized you weren't them. He didn't tell me who them were. Yeah, he you have to wonder what the, what the hell was Charles Bronson it. into? You know, if he needed that I type of security, what the hell was I he doing? No you know? Wow. He brings me into his four area to write directions down for me. The chandelier alone wouldn't fit in my dining room. <laughs> it would be my dining room. It would be wow. my entire dining room. Wow. So I Charles Bronson, I guess, so, so initially he was a dick. But that, I mean, obviously kind of scary too. You open the door, door you get a double barrel shotgun. But eventually terrified. he did welcome you in and kind of help you out. So I guess maybe he became less of a dick maybe as he as he tried to help you. Well, no, because his exact words to me were, if you ever come back on my property again, I'll have you fucking arrested. <laughs> Holy crap. And what I said, Mr. Bronson, I had no idea I was even on your property. I said, I have no clue. He said, you go down that hill, you take a left, you keep going straight and don't you stop until you see no more signs. I mean, honestly, like, when the signs are done, you can stop. I mean, you look at the guy and you go, dude, you know, I wouldn't think for a fucking million years that Charles Bronson would be living in New Hampshire. You know, I mean, why would I even think that? I mean, that's crazy. Oh, man. So now what are, what other celebrities have you met? I'm kind of enjoying this. Have you met uh, any others that you've been able to talk to? You know, were they good people, Let's bad see. people? Just kind of curious. Whoopi Goldberg, Charles Bronson, John Candy, Snoop Dogg. Oh, no. Okay. I was, I, I always... You know, enjoyed Snoop Dogg's rap and things like that. So what type of guy was Snoop Dogg in person? Exactly what you would expect it, like what you would see like on uh, uh, the Martha Stewart cooking show. He's a very laid back pothead. Is he really? Huge pothead. Pretty now, good guy, I'm, do you think? I mean, was he a decent guy? Very decent, Mary. Very decent. One yes. of his people, while I was in the room cleaning, one of his people were rude to me. Okay. I, I, I was humming in my, I was humming while I had headphones on. And I was humming and I was cleaning. And I guess Snoop Dogg must have thought it was funny. Okay. Because he got a kick out of it. You know, that I was in his room, I was humming, and I was cleaning. And he goes, my mother used to do that. And one of his people tapped me on the shoulder and said, my boss is trying to work. Can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> and he stood up and he told them, you go back to California. I'll talk to you when, you, when I get there. Don't call me. Don't text me and get the hell out of my room. Nice. And he came you know, over to me and he's like, I am so sorry. You know, little things like that. I'm sure a lot of celebrities understand that, you know, if one of their people does something like that, all of a sudden they're portrayed as being this asshole. So right. it was good that he stood up and did the right thing. And immediately, you know, told I mean, the there wasn't even a second question. It was immediate. There was no second in between. As soon as he said, will you shut up? My boss is trying to work. As soon as he said work. Right. Yeah, I, I have to say now you're you're a New England guy, so you might get this a little bit. Now, I don't know how old you are. You're probably younger than I am. Um, but I don't know if you're a basketball fan. But do you remember the 1980s Celtics teams with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, oh, all those guys? Yeah. Okay. So um, I was one of my good friends got married at the Springfield Marriott. Actually, he didn't get married at the Marriott. He had his rehearsal dinner there the night before his wedding. So we were at the Springfield Marriott in Massachusetts, and it's directly across from the NBA Hall of Fame, if you've ever been there. 
So that weekend, they were having the NBA induction ceremony for Kevin McHale. He was being elected into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So after my friend's rehearsal dinner, we went to Champion Sports Bar, which is located in the Springfield Marriott. So we're in there, and all of the NBA players were there. I mean, it was you know Patrick Ewing, all of the legends from that time. The majority of the 80s Celtics team was there. The only guy that wasn't there was Larry Bird. I was really disappointed not to see him there. But I get a chance to talk to Bill Walton, really cool guy. I talked to Scott Wedman, really cool guy. You know, everyone was really friendly. And, you know, I was super polite. I mean, I'm a guy, I'm not going to call up and be an asshole. But, you know, I was like, oh, hey, Mr. Wedman, I'm sorry to bother you. You know, my father was a, my father and I were season ticket holders. We were down on the floor, you know, at the championship games when you guys won. I mean, what a pleasure to meet you. And they were super receptive and just nice so i for i was in the wedding i was one of the the ushers so my friend gave me a nice framed po- photo of the big three you know mikhail parish and bird for being in the wedding which was beautiful i loved it so i happened to have it with me and we had no idea that these guys were going to be you know in this uh in this place so i had several of the celtics sign the back of the uh the picture and so i saw kevin McHale sitting at the bar and he had his back to me and he was talking to somebody now to give him complete fairness he was in the conversation and you, know, you probably get tired of people bothering you i get that completely but i was super polite i walked up and i said excuse me uh, mr McHale. i just wanted to let you know you know i'm a big fan of the celtics we were season ticket holders you know you were one of my favorite players when i was a kid you know i'd love to just shake your hand you know congratulations for getting into the hall of fame now keep in mind he wasn't just visiting this whole weekend was in his honor so this was about him so i had in my hand the frame picture and i said is there any chance i just got this from being in a wedding is there any chance you could sign this for me it would mean a lot to me he wouldn't even look at me didn't acknowledge me didn't speak to me he put his hand out still facing forward i gave him the sharpie and i gave him the photo and he signed the back of it which was good i mean i'm glad he did that but he wouldn't look at me he wouldn't he didn't say one word to me so i said thank you mr McHale. i really appreciate it again congratulations he treated me like i was so far beneath him as a person i walked uh-huh. away i walked away almost feeling like i was raped you know what i mean i was like so disappointed <laughs> i'm like jesus this is one of my idols and he just treated me like an absolute piece of shit. And that was uh, just so disappointing. So, now have you met any other movie stars or famous people? You know, when you've been the refrigerator. Uh, did you? How, how did you meet him? My father. My father was an antique dealer. He was at an antique show, and so was the refrigerator. And oh. they, there was a reason they called him that. Well, he was a big dude. Yeah, no doubt. Big about dude it. was the understatement of the century. His <laughs> entire his his foot and calf made up my entire little body. <laughs> <laughs> now, was he a good guy? Because I mean, I'll tell you, you, you don't want to have him. You'll know, be on his bad side. He was a big man. You know, he was really nice. He was really nice. Uh, I was only like seven, eight years old. So, you know, and I was like, I remember you from the commercials. And I was like, wow. I was like, you threw that shirt with the drink, the soda. He's like, wow, you really did watch that commercial. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. He was really funny. cool. He was, he was really cool. Hey, if you don't mind me asking, you mentioned something a little bit earlier. You mentioned that you met Whoopi Goldberg and she kind of helped you because you lived in a residential facility. What type of facility did you live in? I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I'm just kind of curious. 
Well, and the first one that I went to was Wiley House. It was a residential home for children who could not control themselves in a public school setting and who were completely out of control. Okay. I, was, I am the epitome of what was known as a wild child, <laughs> literally. How so? What type of things happened that, uh, I guess, gave you that title of being a wild child? I didn't go to school. When I did go to school, there was my favorite session or my favorite subject was lunch. Yeah, me too. Um, I was the same way. I ended up a teacher. I ended up in a, a special ed classroom. Okay. Um, the teacher was in my face. She was screaming at me. I didn't know she was pregnant. I had no idea. Yeah. She was screaming in my face and she spit at me. She spit at you. Now, in wait, my face. Now, did she spit at you accidentally when she was yelling at you or did she literally like spit at you? She spit at me. Wow. Okay. She was so angry with me. The only thing she could think to do was spit at me. Right. Well, she didn't notice that I had a brand new sharpened pencil in my hand. Yeah. I stuck it in her belly button. Did you really? Holy shit. I was arrested at the yep. age of nine. Nine. Wow. Yep. I was arrested. No criminal record, though. I have no criminal record. Okay. Um, they took me home. Well, they took me to the police station, took me home. I was banned from school for like two and a half, three weeks. Okay. We moved from where we were living into a, a, a low housing income because my family was very poor. Okay. Uh, called Forest Park here in Rutland, Vermont. Yep. Um, we had been there probably about two months. I still mm-hmm. hadn't been to school. Now, my father used me as a rotating door in and out of my life, in and out of my life. You know, look what I've got, shine me off, show him to his friends, and then put me back on the shelf to collect dust. That's until hurtful. he wanted to show me off again. That's hurtful. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know, when, he's, when you're a schmuck, you're a schmuck. I take mm-hmm. solace in knowing that I was a thousand times better father than my father was before me. Do you have a relationship with your dad now or no? No, he died. Oh, he did. I'm sorry. We, we, nev- we never got to re- reconcile at all, ever. He didn't recognize me as his child because I had ADHD and I was gay and, okay. you know, things like that. Now, l- let me ask you, do you, do you think, now, wh- when he found out, did he find out you were gay? Did you ever come out to him and tell him that? Um, I ba- Okay, my father was a cross-dresser and okay. he never admitted it to anybody. Okay. You know, he, he was a secret closet cross-dresser and but people knew people knew so now let me ask how how old are you right now i'm 46. okay just it kind of helps me put things in scale with like you know different times in society and things like that so okay go ahead so your father was a cross-dresser yeah and i I think his wife ellie is a man okay i truly believe that she is a a shim okay i have no issues with that Yep. I think I offended my father completely when I said to him, I said, you know, dad, I'm gay. I said, so I could actually come down to Florida and we could go to the clubs and dress up, you know, right. you know, father, son duo or mother, daughter duo, even if you want to call it that. Just have some time together. You know, right. however I, you I do don't it, even right. care if I have to wear a dress. I mean, right. I'm not into that, but I would for him just to be able to say I spent time with my father. Right. Even if it was in a dress. No, I get that. I mean, he for hung me, up on me. Yeah, for me, you know, I'm, I'm not gay and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I guess, but I, I completely understand what it feels like to want to connect in a positive way with your father because I, I grew up in kind of an abusive home also. So I'm really sorry you had to deal with that. So your father hung up with you when you offered to come down and maybe spend some time. Now, do you, do you think it was, was he embarrassed 
of who I he was, so. do you think? Yeah, he must have I been, think right? So. I, I think be, because he ran away from my mother, he ran away from his family and everybody right. in New Hampshire and Vermont went to Florida and started fresh. Yeah. Um, I think he did that because his family, I mean, his family knew, we all knew, and I think that it was just too much for him to handle. So he just out somewhere yeah. where it was acceptable. Yeah, it breaks my heart. I mean, it really does because I, I know that, you know, again, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. And, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, you know, people didn't really talk about being gay. I mean, I, I talk about, you know, when I was in school, I'm sure there were plenty of people I knew that were gay and a few of them now, I know they're gay now. But when I was in school, it's something that no one talked about. I mean, you just didn't know and people didn't talk about it and people, you know, kept it hidden. And I'm, that must be a very, very, very difficult thing to do to have to keep who you are hidden from everybody and to be ashamed of who you are because you know uh, I, for me it really bothers me to hear that people have to hide that and you know I'm happy for you that you're able to you know come out and be who you are because I mean people should be able to be who they are and I, I have a lot of people that come on to my show I have Eric Kirk that calls into my show all the time and he's a gay Christian conservative and he talks about that dynamic and he also has autism so he's dealt with a lot of things in his life that have made it very difficult for him but you know I mean I think at least today in 2020 you know I see the way that my kids interact with many different types of people and it uh -huh. seems like that today's generation is a lot more accepting than the generations before them so that's something they're certainly doing right and things oh, are getting absolutely. better but and, what, what are some what are some of the challenges you've had you know, being a gay man i mean if you had um it's funny that you asked that yeah. um i wanted children and i knew okay. the only way i was yeah. going to be able to have children was to right. be with a woman right after my daughter was born and my son was born i have two children fonda <laughs> lee and alex um I knew after my after the mother of my kids came out of the closet as a lesbian, my children at the they were eight and six. Yeah, my children freaked out. I knew at that point there was no way that I could come out and be gay, right? Comfortably, because your kids would just completely flip out, just totally lose it. Right. So for eighteen years. I lived as a straight man. Wow. I lived with women. I did the mommy daddy thing. I did what was necessary for my children to be raised in a normal home. What good would be considered you. society's normal? Well, you know, I, I say good for you, but it's not good for you. It's good for them, but bad for you. Where you had to hide who you were, but you did it, you know, from a good place. So I mean, that's how I right. mean. Good I did for it you. for my children because my yeah. children could not handle another right. family member, another Rella, another parent coming out and saying, oh, by the way. Wow. Um, so I did what was, and, and I don't think my children realize it yet. Being 23 and 22, I don't think they realize yet the sacrifice dad made for them. No. You know, because yeah, I, I think do so. consider it a large sacrifice. Oh, huge. And I think you're right. I think still at their age of 22 and 23, I mean, you remember being in your 20s, you're still very self-involved at that point. And oh, I think once they get probably into their late 20s, maybe early 30s, they'll start thinking about things other than just themselves. And I'm not saying that, that your kids are that way. I mean, pretty much everyone in their early 20s is kind of that way. But uh, I'm sure at some point they'll realize. Now, let me, let me ask you this question. So your, your wife came out as a lesbian. Now, yep. did... Did you have any idea when you got together with her that she was gay? I mean, did you? Oh, she had get no together? idea. She knew. She, she came from Indiana, and when I met Tammy, she looked like Delta Burke. 
Okay. Which I always thought Delta Burke was gorgeous. So Tammy, yeah, she was no Del- Delta Burke. Now is that um, was she the actress? Was she the one that was in Touched by an Angel? I'm thinking of Della Reese. I think Delta no, that's Burke. Della Reese. Delta Burke. She was on that um, um, show there with. Uh, Oh God! They were uh, they were all interior de- decorators, and there was the she game dark dark guy. hair, dark yes. hair, black hair. Okay, I know who you're talking. About. I'm going to look her up on my phone, but I, I know who you're talking about. So she looked like her. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Very much so. So when I met her, she was very much straight. Okay. Over the years, Tammy ended up moving away from all of us into the Bellows Falls here in Vermont. Mm-hmm. She ended up meeting a lesbian. She had her first gay experience and never left it. Wow. And huh. I and she was worried I was going to condemn her or use it against her in court. I said, Tammy, it is what it is. Right. You yeah, know, did, I'm not going to cut. Did you tell her at that point that you were gay? She knew. She, she knew that. She knew from day one that even when we were making love, she knew that I was yeah. gay. Well, you know, that's one of the things I was going to ask you, but if, if I ask you anything, it's inappropriate. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just kind of curious. So feel free. If you don't want to answer anything, don't answer it. But I mean, I guess, you know, for me, and I, I don't say this from any place of superiority or anything, but for me, you know, since I was, you know, turned 11, 12, 13, whatever, I like girls and that's always been the case for me. And I guess I'm kind of boring in that way, but that's kind of how, you know, I've always been. And I think for me, if I had to, I mean, uh, for me to think about it, if for me to have children, if I had to, I guess, marry another man and I guess have sex with a man, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, it's, it's just something that doesn't interest me. And I mean, that had to be really hard for you knowing that you were gay to actually get into a relationship and actually have sex with a woman if that wasn't your thing. I mean, that, that had to be hard, right? I mean, I don't know if I'm it, seeing it that. It took right a way. lot of max, it took maximum effort. Right. To make sure that my wife, not Tammy, Lisa, was pleased, not only in the bedroom, but as a wife in general. Right. You know, and I gave up on romance with her when it was our second year anniversary. I had, she had gone to work. She had been working all day. I cooked filet mignon. I cooked homemade Alfredo noodles. I made the noodles myself, the whole nine yards. I bought her two dozen roses, one on the table, and the other one I made a, a line from the dining room to the bathroom okay. upstairs where I had drawn her a bath, put essential oils in it, candles, soft music, a bottle of Dom Perignon. Um, You're a better husband than I am. <laughs> the whole nine yards. Good. Yeah. When she got home, she came through the door, told me she was exhausted, took her plate of food, and went to our bedroom. I never made an effort after that. Don't blame you. I mean, you, you put in a hell of an effort to kind of make it, make a night special for her. You know, I mean, I, I've never done specifically that, but I, I get it. I've done things where I've kind of gone out of my way to do things nice for my wife. And, you know, my wife has a busy job. She's a doctor right now, especially with COVID. But she's never shunned you. No, no not like that. But, I mean, I've gotten sometimes the cold shoulder where, you know, she's just not in a good mood and I get that. But, yeah, I've never been completely shunned like that. That, that must have hurt, I would imagine. That must have really it hurt. broke my heart. Yeah. Because yeah, I went through, I had, I went to K Jewelers and I bought her the Forever Diamond necklace that she yep. wanted. Yep. Um, she told me to return it. She didn't want it. Wow. The reason she didn't want it was because she was having an affair with her boss. Oh, Jesus. I had no so, idea. Uh, was her boss a man or a woman? It was a man. Um, All right, so she, and she, had, she had affairs while you were married also with other men, or at least that man. 
well, what, what ended it for us, I'll be honest with you. You know that hernia mesh lawsuit that's going on here all over the TV? I'm actually not. I haven't been watching the news too much. Explain that to me if you could. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Uh, it, it, for people who have hernias, they do this. They use, They used to use this mesh that they would put over it to prevent the, the bladder from poking out. Oh, those are like um, those commercials, right? With the lawyers. I, I've seen those. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. My wife sued the company without my knowledge. I had oh. no idea. The day she received her 180,000 was the day she walked out my door and never looked back. Wow, so she got 180 grand, and that day she was just like, see you later. So she walked out. Now, does she play a role in your kids' lives, or is she turned no, her my back kids, on them? Oh, no, she turned her back on them, too. My kids <sighs> hate her. Absolutely hate her, you know? And they called her mom. Um, she actually went with my daughter to the mother-daughter dance um, right. because her mother refused to. Um, she went, you know, and did all this girly stuff with my daughter for the two, three years. We were together for seven years. Seven years. Um, I mean, how, you know... Not to be critical, but I mean, how does a mother turn her back on her kids? You know, and I guess this is maybe a generalized comment, but again, you know, as it, if a man leaves, I mean, I, I could never do that for my kids. I love my kids and I couldn't imagine living without my kids in my life. But I mean, I exactly. guess if a, if a man leaves, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that a man did not carry the babies in her, in, in his body. I mean, for a mother who carried the babies, how do you just turn your back and leave your kids? She chose um, a pedophile over her children. Oh, man. Tammy. So Tammy's yeah, a pedophile. Well, yeah, she slept with a... Her, her, her second to youngest daughter is by a 13-year-old boy. Oh, my God. Wow. You know, and the parents didn't see anything wrong with it. Uh, the cops didn't see anything wrong with it. I had a major problem with it, so I banned her from seeing the children. Yep. You know, I'm, and, and I told her, I said, if you're willing to screw a 13-year-old, then you're willing to let other people screw our kids. Yeah, and that's that's, uh, that's just not right. I mean, that's crazy shit, you know, when you hear stuff like that. So, man, you, you've been through a lot. I feel bad. You know, we started off talking about you being in a residential, you know, uh, I guess, facility when you were younger. And I guess, I guess the, the initial reason why I asked you that question is, you know, I've got my uh, regular co-host that calls in quite a bit, Eric. He has autism. I have a son, my oldest son, who's 17, has autism. And I think at some point he's going to probably live in a residential home. You had mentioned that you had ADHD, but so it, it, there's nothing like autism or anything like that on in your diagnosis. Because I know my oldest son, when he was younger, he actually didn't hurt the teacher, but he actually cut her fingers with a pair of scissors when he was younger in class. And he was very aggressive when he was younger. He's gotten better as he's gotten older. But there was nothing like autism spectrum or anything like that in your past. It was just kind of ADHD. And ADHD, anger issues. Yeah. You know what, though? I mean, who could, you know, I, I <laughs> excuse me. I didn't get to mute, mute my microphone as I coughed. But um, yeah, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm on Lexapro right now. I went through a period of time where I was pretty depressed and things like that. And I think everybody goes through tough, tough periods of time. I mean, as I was, when I was a young guy, I grew up in a house where I had a pretty emotionally and physically abusive father. And, uh, you know, it took me a very, very long time to get to a good place in my life where I felt you know, better about myself as a person. Because when you're beaten down, you know, in whatever way it is, I mean, it affects your confidence. It affects the type of person that you are. And for me, you know, I, I don't know if this years. makes me strange or not, but I wish my father had abused me in some way. At least he would have paid attention to me. 
Yeah, so you, you had like the opposite type of effect that I did. So, I mean, you know, for me, you know, my, my father did things with me. See, my, my father, he coached me in baseball. You know, he coached me in basketball and sports, and he was present. But when he was present, 80% of the time, he was an asshole, you know? And, you know, you know very, what my father taught me? The, the only thing he ever taught me that stuck with me, wear socks with shoes, always. That's it. Never wear That's shoes it. barefoot. Wow. I mean, I can at least point to like some positive things. Like I remember my father sitting down and talking to me about, you know, the type of person you want to be, you know, make sure you can always look at yourself in the mirror at night after your day. So I did get some, you know, some good things of wisdom. I mean, he pushed education for me. So I was never a great student. And actually, like you, I got into trouble quite a bit in school. My freshman year in high school, I had gone to Timberline up in New Hampshire and I was suspended twice, went to a private high school after that, got suspended two, my, two more times there. So I got in trouble quite a bit also. So hey, Co- uh, Card68 is asking, what would your dad like? So maybe you could go over that again, Alfie. You know, he's asking a little bit about your dad. You want to explain what your dad was like again? When, okay, and, and when my parents first got together, my father was this fun-loving, happy-go-lucky dude. Yep. My father ended up having surgery where they cut him from the center of his neck to his groin, something to do with his stomach. Jesus. After that surgery, my father went from this fun-loving hippie to this money-grubbing asshole. Huh. And that's all he cared about was money. The, the surgery changed him completely. It's like it flipped a switch. Wow. My father, Jimmy, was an antique dealer. He was extremely, this was the only man that I knew that could take a $5 bill and turn it into 5,000 by the end of the day on one piece of furniture. Smart man, yep. Um, he was a self-taught man. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he did what he was supposed to as a man, but as a parent and a husband, he was totally shitty. Yeah. Um, my father, Jimmy, was the type of... I lived with my mother. I loved my mother to death. God rest her soul. She was murdered. Um, she was murdered? By her own granddaughter. Oh, my God. Um, so, my father, Jimmy, was the type of man that, after the surgery and all that, he left us all. He didn't want mm-hmm. nothing more to do with us. But for, like, seven, eight years... He did the rotating door thing with me. He would take me down off the shelf, dust me off, say, hey, guys, see what I've got? And when that little knickknack of his started to become too heavy or too annoying, it was right back to mom. And then, okay, he's gone. I don't got to deal with him anymore. Thank God. So you had to be walking Uh, on eggshells all the time around him when you were with him then. I didn't, though. Yeah. I should have, but I didn't. You know, and, and... I used to blame myself. It was something I did. No, 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 no. He's a schmuck. He's a loser. And he didn't deserve to have me as a child to begin with. You're damn right. It was not you. It was him. I mean, I know that you know that already. But just to hear from me as well, and I'm sure anybody that's listening to this, I mean, he was the asshole. He was the one that made the choices he did. And the kid is never responsible. No, he's the reason I went away to residential treatment centers. Now, as a child, in Head Start, the schools had said to my parents, your son needs Ritalin. He needs medication. You know, he needs therapy. There's something wrong with him. They refused, even Mm. in 79, refused to put me on medication because that's when I started Head Start was in 79. Okay. I have. I'm actually in the process of writing a book. It's called Who Am I? A Child's Terror. 
Where, where are you writing the book? Are you writing it just on your own or? Yeah, I'm having a hard time with it. I, I'm trying to find a typewriter and nowadays is a joke. Yeah. Well, do, I do you have a find one. Do you have a computer? I mean, I assume you have a computer, right? No. Every okay. time, okay. I have it. I have almost the entire story on a floppy disk. Okay. I can't get it off. Nowhere in the United States, and I've called every computer junkie I know, nobody has a floppy disk drive anymore, so I can't put it off the floppy disk onto a dipstick. Oh, boy. Well, so yeah, the, I the, have the floppy disk, but it's useless to me. Well, yeah, the reason why I was asking is my daughter... Yeah, I'll tell you in a second about that, Kozo. Hold on one second, I'll tell you. But I was going to tell you, there's, are you familiar with Wattpad by any chance, the app? No, never heard of it. Okay, yeah, check out Wattpad. It's W A T T. P-A-D. My daughter writes, and she's written two books, and she's written them on Wattpad. And Wattpad is an app for authors where you get on and you write. And, I mean, for example, the book Fifty Shades of Grey was originally written on Wattpad, and that's where it was discovered. So you can get on, you start your own profile, just like Facebook or whatever, and you start your writing profile, and you literally write on Wattpad, and you you know you can publish the first chapter, the second chapter as you get get them done, and then people read. Like I think my my daughter is about to finish her second book, which is called The Choosing, and she's already had over a thousand reads on that book. So in addition to getting the book out there and letting people read it, you also have publishers and people like that who are kind of fishing around through Wattpad who are looking for, you know, good books, good ideas, you know, new authors and things like that. So you might want to look into Wattpad as being a place where you can get on and maybe write and, you know, get people reading your stuff right away, you know? So just a thought I want to throw at you because I know that I didn't know what it was until my daughter told me. And I mean, there have been a number of you know, famous authors and books that have been discovered through Wattpad. So just something to look into, you know, if you're, if you're a writer and you're trying to get a book out there, because it certainly sounds like you've got a pretty compelling story. Um, I'm going to answer real quick, uh, cause 68's question. So John, what was my, what was your father's dad like? That's, you know, that's a really good question. Um, my father's dad, he came over from Italy when he was 16 years old and he died when i was five years old so i have a couple of very faint memories of my father and honestly my father doesn't talk a lot about his father i've asked him and i've tried to get information as to what his dad was like but what i do know is that my grandfather came to this country and he played saxophone in a band and he met my grandmother at the club where he played. And I think he was older than she was. He was a little bit older guy when he met my grandmother and they got married. And I know later in life, they slept in separate bedrooms. You know, I think that he got her pregnant probably and did the right thing and married her. So I don't think there was probably a loving relationship between the two of them. And I did get some hints here and there from my father and from his mother, which was my grandmother that my grandfather, you know, had the ability to be pretty tough and pretty abusive. So um, I don't know a lot about him. I do remember as a kid, um, again, I knew him until I was five. So I've got these very faint memories of him. There was one time when I was sleeping in his house or their house and they had a small apartment actually. 
and you know they both worked worked in plastics factories so they didn't have a lot of money but i remember staying at their house and i remember one time i was kind of screwing around because i wanted my grandmother to you know keep coming and tucking me in or whatever and i remember my grandfather came in and screamed at me and laid into me i remember he scared me that one time when i was little so you know again that was just one small memory and unfortunately that's one of the few memories i have of my grandfather so my assumption is that my grandfather probably was a pretty difficult guy but i really can't say to be honest with you um but you know i my, my father and i over the last several years you know unlike elfie i guess we, we were able to at least have a little bit better of a relationship he's still the same guy but i've turned into a guy where i've tried to be more accepting of his challenges and the things he's been through and you know we've had our blowouts here and there but i try to put it behind me and not you know continue to let it hang over my head when we get the disagreements and arguments so it's, it's never been perfect but it's been better so anyway elfie i want to hear a little bit more about your story now you you mentioned your mother was murdered i want to yes, hear sir. yeah so if you could explain that and let me answer Kozo's question real quick but I want to hear a little bit about that if you don't mind talking about it but Not is my dad a good is my dad a good grandfather uh, he was he was he was a good grandfather and I should and I, when I say he was he's still alive he's 79 years old but he now has dementia so he's having a very difficult time with his memory but I think that my kids view him as a good grandfather and I'm going to actually going to ask him right now hey Ethan come here for a sec Brandon in the next room i'm just going to ask him really quickly because they'll give us the best reason hey um i know that grampy you know has dementia now yeah but give both of you come in here give your honest opinion someone asked is my father a good grandfather and i can't really answer that i know recently he hasn't been as good of a grandfather because he doesn't remember things but in your opinion has he been a good grandfather how do you view grampy uh what if you brandon you go first come up to the microphone how do you like how do you view and be honest do you view grampy as a good grandfather Yes, I do think he is a good. Come closer. How come? Why? Why do you think he's a good grandfather? Uh, because he's um never just being mean. He's not mean. Yes, he's not mean. He's always happy. He's always he, happy. He might repeat himself. Well, he does repeat himself now with the dementia. But you look, you think him of as a good grandfather. Yes. How about you, Ethan? Come a little bit closer so they can um, hear you. Yeah, because he always like. Yeah, I think he's a good grandfather because he always like cares about my interest in like sports and stuff. And he shows me like his old sports stuff, which I think is cool and stuff. Yeah, you and him, you guys are kindred spirits because you both love baseball, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's good. I just wanted to ask you. You guys can go back to your video games. I just wanted to ask what your opinion was. Okay, so yeah, that's good news. So I guess my kids view him as a good grandfather, and honestly, that's one of the things I always wanted i didn't want the way he parented me to be a hindrance to the relationship they had with him so it's nice to hear that they at least view him a little bit differently than i do so okay so back to elfie so man you know we've got to ask um man you know so your grand now it was the granddaughter killed your mother my mother was a drug addict i'm not gonna lie to you guys i'm not gonna okay, sugarcoat no. it in any way shape or form my mother I appreciate was a drug addict. okay um we were we were all drug addicts. I was I was hooked on narcotics, painkillers. It happens to a lot of people. My my wife actually runs a Suboxone clinic, helping people kick opioids and things like that. And uh, we've had family members that have fallen victim to it. So I get it. It's a it's a big problem. So I appreciate yeah, well, you hearing me. Maybe your wife can tell me how to get off the last two milligrams because I've been on them for a year, and I'd mm. love to get off that last two milligrams. And, uh, well, anyways, back to my mother. Yeah. Um, my mother was a, a narcotics junkie. She, she liked okay. pills. Okay. My niece, Crystal, 
was on a medication called Adderall. Okay. Now, I know Adderall is, is for ADHD, for those of you who don't know. It's similar to Adderall. Like yeah. Yes, Adderall and Ritalin is also considered a poor man's cocaine. Right. Now, being a drug addict, I know this personally. Mm-hmm. Um, Crystal, on her birthday, mom were mom and Barb and Crystal were all celebrating. There was a bunch of people at my mother's celebrating her birthday. Yeah. They were doing pills. My mother got up to go to the bathroom. While she was gone, Crystal mixed an Adderall and a Percocet together. My mother had a heart condition. You cannot give somebody with a heart condition a speed ball, which is an upper and a downer. Um, she did. So, so this was intentionally done. Yes. Wow. I believe so. I believe that Crystal murdered my mother in the intentions of thinking that there was a large insurance policy and she was on it. Wow. She was thinking, wow, I need an apartment. So, because she needed an apartment, she murdered my mother. My mother went to bed that night, and I am so grateful to God every day that my last conversation with my mother was, I love you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, thank it's God. too bad tomorrow never came. Oh, man, I am really sorry. I mean, that is absolutely heartbreaking, and you've been through so much in your life. I wish I could give you a hug right now. I really do. I mean, whew. You know, I'll give you a second to compose yourself and hang in there. Um, I'll, I'll mention to Code 68, so you have an autistic daughter. Um, how old your daughter? I'm just kind of curious how old your daughter is. Um, my oldest son, Matt, is on the autism spectrum. So he, okay. Now, how is your daughter doing? My son is 17, and he's doing really well. You know, he goes to a therapeutic school for kids on the autism spectrum. He's a junior in high school right now. And he really does really well in things like plays. He's been in 10 plays now, 12 plays, something like that. And he landed his first role as a lead this past December where he was Buddy in Elf the Musical. And um, the play did really well. He got four standing ovations. Okay, I'll just, I figured I'd give you a minute. I mean, that was a very emotional thing he talked about. I'll finish talking about my son and Elf and then get back to you. Um, But, you know, my son, um, he won the role as Buddy in Elf the Musical. He got four standing ovations in each of his four shows, and then he kind of went viral where he uh, ended up on the Boston TV stations for being a kid with autism who got a lead in the play. He got he was in the Boston newspapers, radio stations in Boston were talking about him. It, and then, uh, <coughs> excuse me, there was like an online campaign. To get, to get, <coughs> I get a cough, hold on. And that's good to have a mute button so I don't cough into all your ears. But anyway, he went viral on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. They were trying to get him on the Ellen Show. And there were literally thousands of shares. And unfortunately, he didn't get on to the Ellen Show. But he had such a great experience. But yeah, theater has been really, really good for him. And he's very good at it. So, you know, he kind of wants to be an actor. So we'll see where that goes, you know, later in life. So, hey, Elfie, okay, I figured I'd give you a second. But I'm really sorry you went through that. And I appreciate you talking about such a such a difficult uh, topic but uh boy so what whatever happened to the granddaughter i guess that uh, did that did anyone know that happened or was it uh, something that never you know my brother john now my brother john is a considered a professional cat burglar here in the state of vermont he is okay. now spending a life sentence in springfield penitentiary wow 
for 2,386 counts of B&E since 1986. 2,386 counts? Holy mm-hmm. crap. So, I mean, he was obviously pretty good at his job. I mean, did he only get arrested once? I mean, oh, no, he got arrested 2,386 times. Oh, wow. Holy shit. So he's, he's in jail for life right now because of that. Yeah, they finally caught up to him. And if it, the, the judge finally said enough is enough. You know, we're done dealing with you. We're done with your crap. You're going to jail. Wow. My brother, John, when the morning my mother died, yep. my brother, John, the coroner asked us if we wanted an autopsy. I said, yes. Okay. My brother, John, immediately drags me. Now, I, I'm distraught. I'm completely distraught. I, I, I'm not thinking. I'm angry. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm on a, a murderous rage in my head. Yeah. My brother takes me into the other room, and he looks me dead in the face and goes, Do you truly want to know? Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. But because my brother, John, and his sister, Marjorie signed no mediation mediator rules group vote rules i guess um i was forced to sign the paperwork on the autopsy as a negative Mm. to stop everybody and all the suspicion my brother had my mother cremated within a 24-hour period holy shit that way there was nothing for them to autopsy mm. ever wow so you've been living with this for quite some time then and dealing with the, the fact that you know knew this happened and this was kind of swept under the carpet and all that stuff she got away with it dude she stills here in rutland she just got back from california she's still living life like it's every day does she have any remorse any nothing. any fe- nothing wow nothing she claims that she didn't do anything wrong if she didn't do anything wrong, then why is it on the day she died, when I walked through that door, through tears, she kept saying to me, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, sorry for what? Wow. So she she did it. I mean, obviously, if she's saying she's sorry, you know, she was upset about something like that. And that is just crazy, you know, that she did that. So I don't know. Um, sorry, I had to turn my phone ringer off. I wouldn't change any of it. Everything yeah. that I've been through, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the residential treatment centers, the, the, the beatings, I wouldn't change any of it because wow. I wouldn't be who I am today. Well, let, let me ask you that question. I mean, you've been through, Jesus, a lot. I mean, more than, I hate to say it, probably more than anyone I've ever met. You know, I haven't met you, but you know, that I've talked to you, you've been through a lot. I mean, you say that you wouldn't change it because you're not, because of the person you are today. Who is the person you are today? Just out of curiosity, I mean, what, uh, how do you view yourself today and where are you at right now in your life? I'm a survivor. Yeah. Plain and simple, I am a survivor. I am resourceful. I am a survivor. I do what is necessary. I'm honest. I've learned that lying gets you nowhere except in right. deeper lies. Then right. you have to remember the lie you just told about the lie you just told. Why do that when you can just be bluntly honest and honesty is just so much more fun? 
It is right. I mean, that's that's something I've. I, I should. I was going to say that's something I've always believed. Well, that's not I true. Mean, I mean, I think in the last probably fifteen years, I've gotten to the point where that's how I am too. If you want to know something about me, ask you. I'll tell you. If you want to ask, if you want want to really know how I how I feel about you, I'll tell you point blank. You may like it, you may not like it, and the way I view it is, the people that are in my life that like me for who I am, you know, they're real friends. And if you don't like me for being honest. You know, fuck you. I don't care. You know, that's well, that's kind of the way I look at things now. You know? My ex-wife was with her. Her issue was I was too honest. Okay. You know, she said she said to me, and this was my mistake, and I was probably a really asshole for saying this. Mm-hmm. She came to me and she said to me, "Honey, do these jeans make my ass look fat?" I said, "Honey, don't blame the jeans because your ass is fat." Ooh, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a see now that's that's probably the area where I would lie. Because I mean, then you're going to get a hammer to the head while you're sleeping, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you know, I mean, it, it, ass. But. she she she'd ask me stuff like, "Do you like my boobs?" And I'd say, "Yeah, you know, you got great areolas. They're just crooked. One's bigger than the other." <laughs> so you were fucking brutally honest, man. Going after I mean, her. totally. I, I didn't. I, I I'm that way with everybody. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you ask me something, I'm going to tell you straight up. See, I'd be afraid. I'd be like afraid to answer. say that to my wife because if I say that to my wife, you know, hey, your ass looks pretty big. That's when she looks back at me and she goes, "Well, just so you know, your penis isn't as big as you think it is." You know, <laughs> so, that, she's a doctor. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's the thing. She uh, she's seen them all, so I can't lie to her. You know, I can tell her right. how big it is, but um, I'm sure she's seen some that are probably fucking three times the size of mine. So I, I can't. Uh, I can't lie about that. Hey, going back, I don't know if Coz is still here, but if you are, I saw you mention that your daughter is struggling in math. My son, same thing. He struggles in math in school, and his school just actually called us yesterday. They're looking to help him pass the state test in Massachusetts, where we live, and they're going to kind of privately tutor him and look to catch him up in math. And same thing. He always struggled with friends, but I think the best thing we ever did for my son Matt was to send him to a therapeutic school for kids on the autism spectrum that we have here in Massachusetts in Worcester, and it's called Summit Academy. It's a great school. And he's found his own yeah, village of people that he gets along with. He fits in, and it's it's been a really good thing for him, you know. And I'm glad we found that because in the public schools, he struggled socially. It was really hard for him, you know. Hey, John, just to let you know, your microphone just did a complete fade out. Oh, did it really? Is it back now? Yeah, it's back now, but it just did a complete fade out. And while you were talking, there was nothing. Oh, that's strange. You know, I, that happens sometimes during my show. I'm not sure if that's a Podbean issue or maybe it's my internet connection. I'm not sure, you know, what it is, but that does occasionally happen. And then eventually I get like a little notice on the top of my screen that says that I have to close my live cast because of I'm opening another browser. So I'm not sure what that means. That hasn't happened yet, but when it does, I generally shut down the show because I think at that point people have stopped listening, you know, uh, because they can't hear me. But yeah, so def- definitely look into that Code 68 Summit Academy. It's, uh, I'll even type it down on the bottom. It's a school in Worcester, Mass. Um, and it's, now, uh, as you know, far very, as friends very good school. with the yes. kids on, the, on autism, my, my cousin Joseph is uh, severely, he's on the severe end of autism. Oh, he is, um, okay. He's on the high end of the spectrum. And he has a lot of problems with friends, too. Now, as a person who lived in residential treatment centers who didn't have friends as a kid, I had none. Right. I, I learned to find that one, that one friend. Now, if you can get your kids, and I did the same thing with Joseph, if you can get your kid to find that one friend, it's great practice. Right. Find that one friend that your kid's comfortable with, invite them over, do an overnight. 
I used to take Joseph from when my cousin Victor was still alive. Um, I used to take Joseph and I would take one friend and I would bring them to the house and we'd play, whether it was video games or board games or anything, anything. Um, and it really helped Joseph massively on the way that he dealt with people, on the way he not only talked to people, but just the total aspect of friendship changed with right. that one-on-one -on -one time, with that one person that he was truly comfortable with, that didn't pick on him, that didn't make, you know, fun of him in any way, shape, or form, and it worked. Now Joseph has 30 friends and he can't keep them out of his house, you know? <laughs> you know, so he's, he, I had to teach him that, that specific skill, but I used it with one child. Right. You know, and I, I mean, didn't, and it worked. Yeah, I, I think starting with that one friend does help. I mean, hopefully your daughter maybe has the one friend you know my son did develop that in when he was in middle school he did find one really good friend and we were very hesitant to move him to the school he's in now because he had finally found a friend and we hated the thought of taking him away from that friend and moving him to a new place but the school that he goes to summit academy in worcester i can't really say enough about this school it's a you know a therapeutic school for kids on the autism spectrum they start the day off the kids do like karate they do yoga they have very small classrooms there's a lot of one-to-one -one time with the teachers and this is something we don't pay for the school district pays for it so you know if you're not wealthy that's okay you don't have to worry about paying for this the school district actually sent our son here and they foot the bill for the school so what we just found out about this school also which we're very happy about is that my son is now 17 years old and i don't know where you listen where you live but um they the summit academy group has started this new program where they're going to have a residential home in the city of worcester that's going to be very similar to a kid living in a dorm so if my son is able to go to college which we hope he will be able to do then he can go and live in this dorm they'll bring a chef in teach him how to cook they'll bring in someone that helps to teach him how to pay his bills and then they will give him rides back and forth to school also and he yeah lived, that's what know, i did with joseph yeah so like this, I mean, it's it was a great a lot opportunity of one -on -one. yeah it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one with me and joseph i taught joseph how to cook i taught him how to clean um he wasn't he wasn't taking care of himself like a person should. Yeah. And nobody was taking the time to say, hey, Joseph, your feet stink, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Right. Um, I was that person that took that time, me and his father, because his mother was, she's disabled herself. So okay. we took that time to sit down with Joseph and, you know, the kid can now cook better than I can. Nice. You know, I mean, and he's autistic and this kid is, he should be a chef. Seriously, this kid is like amazing in the kitchen. Well, some of the, some of the kids on the spectrum, that's kind of how my son is with acting. I mean, it's really when, when they develop and they figure out what their talent is. I mean, they can be really good because they're so particular. And to be a chef, obviously, you have to have that gene where you're very particular in doing things a certain way. And I think that uh, a, lot, a lot of the, the, the kids that have autism grow up to be, you know, very successful in a lot of different ways. Hey, just I've listen up. I, I love your profile picture. I've never seen anybody take a cucumber and turn it into a bow tie before. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> so you're, you're at the so college, you're at the top of Michigan. So, uh, boy, you're up there in kind of that cold weather climate up in northern Michigan. I've got some friends that live in Michigan. So uh, 
No, you, you must be happy. Yeah, so you must be obviously a, a football fan, I imagine, Michigan, Ohio State. I've worked for a company in Ohio, and I've got a lot of friends in Michigan. I know that's like as big as a Red Sox-Yankees series here in the uh, in the Northeast. So um, kind of interesting. But hey, listen, everybody, I, I appreciate the show. It's after 9 o'clock, and I'm actually going to get to my job. I'm going to get to work. Elfie, I hope you follow me, and I hope you come back. This afternoon, actually... Okay, well, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, I have another show. Um, my friend Eric Kirk is going to be co-hosting with me, and we're doing a show talking about sex, so it should be kind of fun. We've got some ladies that are going to be calling in, giving their views, talking about things like, you know, best best uh, experience, worst senior, you know, experience, uh, craziest place you've ever had sex, like kind of some funny, just light things. So it's going to be listed as an explicit show. So if you want to come back and feel free to call in, I'm going to have Eric in, who's also gay, and he has autism. It's funny, he talks about he's a gay man who has autism, who's a Christian conservative. So if you think about that whole mix, I don't know how he uh, sidesteps all those different landmines, being a Christian conservative, but also being a gay man, because I know that that's not generally what that whole group supports. But um, hey, it's been a pleasure to talk to all of you. Elfie, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. I consider you a new friend. Everybody that's here, please follow me. I do probably a show a day, um, sometimes two shows, depending on what my schedule's like. But uh, I'd love to have you all come back, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll hear from you all again really soon. So thank you for joining me today, everybody. Well, thank you for having me, and the next time I come on, I'd be more than happy to give you a tarot reading for free. Hey, you know what? Let's do that. Absolutely. The next time you come on, let's plan that. I would like to do that. So thank you for the offer, and we'll be in touch soon, everybody. So take care, and please come back. Thank you again. Blessed be everybody. Thank you.